and welcome to this End of Life, episode 8. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about bringing new guests who are battling chronic conditions and mental health issues in their own unique ways and are changing the lives of others with their amazing work. Today I'm speaking to the very talented Natasha Richardson of Forage Botanicals. Natasha is a herbalist specialising in helping women have better periods. Natasha and I met a couple of months, no, maybe longer than that. We met last year, so maybe maybe we've known each other for a year, potentially. Um, and I really love the work that Natasha does. She's really clued up with what herbs can help. She's been really supportive with my own anxiety and endometriosis and pain levels. And it's been really interesting hearing from a herbalist perspective how you can approach managing endometriosis and other painful um, painful period problems. Natasha has gone through her own issues with incredibly painful periods and we discussed the different approaches that she's used for that and that massively varies. So she originally was looking at and we go into this in more detail but she was originally looking at what the pain was trying to tell her. Um, she was treating it with different herbs and then and still does, and different approaches of self-care. But then we also start talking about how it's okay to take a painkiller sometimes and how her attitudes towards conventional medicine have slightly altered when it comes to um, treating her pain, at least. Natasha's own experience and the experiences of women throughout history and in her clinic have motivated her to relaunch Forage Botanicals um, with the theme like focused around periods and one of the main components of this is her amazing course um called the joyful period which i don't know some of you might remember that i did the joyful period back in i think february um when it was the pms self-care course and i wrote a little review on that which i will link in the show notes today um but that was so eye-opening and interesting for me to do because coming from an endometriosis charity, I was so shocked by how little attention I actually paid to my cycle and how little I really knew about what my own hormones were doing and how they affected me. And Natasha's course really helped me to realise the pattern and noticed why I was feeling certain ways during the month and what I could do about that. Um, and it helped me to feel a little bit less crazy, to be honest, um, and really also supported me at work. So I would, if I was anxious, I knew that it was because I was coming on and actually those thoughts that I was having at work weren't necessarily true. They weren't necessarily, necessarily real. They were made worse by my PMS symptoms. In this episode, we talk about how Natasha became a herbalist and why, and how self-care and herbal medicines can really support women to have better periods and manage different conditions like fibroids and endometriosis. And we talk about her favorite self-care tips and why her attitudes towards conventional medicine have changed. I learned so much in this episode and I really hope you will too. If you are interested in what Natasha has to offer, she's kindly 
given listeners £100 off her course. Um, so if you'd like to redeem that, you can just use the discount code, which is in the show notes. And also I will mention it at the end of the podcast. I really hope you enjoy it. Here she is. So um, herbal medicine is the oldest form of medicine in the world, really. In the UK, we have like a break in Western herbal medicine because after World War II, we created the NHS and drugs really became a massive thing. Um, And as we did that, we chose to pretty much forget our herbal tradition, even though the herbs Mm. had gone on to create something like a third of the drugs that we have now. Um, Wow. Yeah, yeah, like a massive quantity of drugs that we have now originate from plant extract. So what made you get into herbal medicine? Well, I, um, during my teens, got really into paganism and the idea of, I was like watching Practical Magic and Buffy and The Craft and I was like, I love it. Generation of witches, I think. It's amazing. (laughs) So I love, I like have this concept of this um, woman who lives in a small village or out in the countryside somewhere, like maybe in like a yurt in the forest or something. And she's the local medicine woman. Mm. And I think like from that fantasy, I started to learn about living more naturally and with in flow with the seasons and I was also becoming really eco-centric yeah. <laughs> at that time and so when I finished my um school like normal schooling years yeah. I took a gap year but I didn't go traveling I just went and got a part-time job at a company called Neil's Yard Remedies. Wow I thought you started with Neil's Yard like once you started training. No, so I actually had like a year of working practically full time for Neil's Yard Remedies um, where I did every course they had going because they were like massively discounted. So I did like homeopathy, I did herbal medicine, I did aromatherapy. There were also um, for that, for my age then, I was able to do any adult learning course with like the local colleges that we have um, for free. That's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, I, don't, I massively doubt that's the case now. And so yeah. <laughs> somehow, I don't know what how, but it was, it was amazing the array of different courses they had. They had an introduction to numerology, astrology, color therapy, wow. herbal medicine, massage. I just did, and I just did all of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's so. I would have loved to have done that. I look at their courses yeah. and I like lust over them, but they're so expensive. Yeah. So I think it was because I was 18 or 19, mm. I was allowed to do them all for free. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because I, w- I did a one-year course, um, like an introductory course at London College of Fashion, and that was free because I was under 19. Ah, Yeah, okay, and I would have cool. had to paid for it, yeah. That makes sense now. Ah, yeah, that does make sense. That's how I got into it. And I didn't realize that these courses existed as like degrees until I was, you know, working there for so long and mm. meeting other people who had been qualified in these areas. And and I was like, wow, like for a while it was a toss up between homeopathy degree and a herbal medicine degree. But I was um, really drawn to herbal medicine because of it being so hands on. I right. liked that I was going to be able to go out into nature and get a 
um, real feel for the plants. Mm. Whereas in homeopathy, I felt like I was learning it in theory and I was only ever touching little sugar pills and it didn't right. resonate with me. Okay, so you you did a degree, did you say? Was it a yeah, degree? yeah, yeah. Three years. So you, you did a degree and then was it after your degree that you started Forage Botanicals? I started originally uh, with the company name Rowan Remedies, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So when did it become Forage Botanicals? Uh, about three years ago now. Right, okay. And when you... I want to, I know you've changed recently, like your focus, and I really want to talk about that. But what was your focus when you first launched Forage Botanicals? Um, when I first launched Forage Botanicals, I was focusing on um, the concept of holistic living. Recently, you've launched um, Forage Botanicals with like um, an approach to helping women have healthier, happier periods. Mm. What's your story with your periods because I know that um part of this is very much due to your own experience yeah so I didn't have any issues for ages um but I did go on the contraceptive pill quite young almost Mm. like as a rite of passage (laughs) um like oh I've started my periods I should probably go on the pill because like even though I'm not sexually active I could at any point in time just become pregnant (laughs) that's a really responsible teenager there (laughs) don't know how many people walk like that well we had like um we had this amazing sex clinic um down the road from our school and they we went and we were given talks by them and I think just it almost like had this air of being a cool thing to go and do. Right, yeah, yeah. Know what and I it, mean. it made you feel like a woman. Yeah, it made you feel grown up. Yeah, it made you feel like oh, I'm being an adult. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. Fair <laughs> enough. So you you got on the pill when you were quite early, yeah. quite young. So I don't recall having any kind of period problems while mm. I was on the, on the pill. And, and it was so early on. I don't even remember if I was having regular periods before I right. started it or what. Um, and I was on that for years. Um, I didn't stop till I was at university. So that probably was like six years or something. Um, and then I was reading about like how to... Um, what was I reading about? I was reading loads of like feminism books. I was reading loads of 1960s eco thinking books. I was reading uh, a lot about the high Ashbury movement in the like 60s. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just like being a massive hippie. And as part of that, I started to stumble on these books that talked about how you could use your natural hormone cycle to be more effective in whatever it is that you're doing right yeah um and nowadays those kind of books are like sassy sassy lisa lister that's not her real name hang on <laughs> lisa is it lisa lister yeah lisa lister sassy she yeah yes <laughs> i get confused with that <laughs> she's done like the most modern version of those kind of books i was reading like miranda gray um, which was a lot more pagan. Right, okay. 
these are lists have made it um, really applicable to a wide variety of, of women. I think it's really good what she's done. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. But, yeah, I was reading like little these little pagan books and stuff. And that kind of made me think, like, oh, I don't know what my life would be like if I wasn't on the pill. Mm. Um, and then I, so I stopped and was charting and it was all going so well. <laughs> <laughs> then for some reason I started getting really painful periods. Um, and that carries on to this day. Yeah. Um, How many years has that been? Oh, I think... Oh, oh god yeah I graduated from university in 2010 so like maybe nine years wow. maybe eight yeah. years but I remember it being so bad that I was once at work um at, at Neil's Yard Remedy so working on the shop floor mm. and in this tiny little shop where there isn't anywhere to hide like you just working you're on the shop and everyone in the station that's walking past can see you all the time right and, and I remember being in pain and I said to my manager like I'm just gonna sit down on the floor here behind the tills like try and hide <laughs> and she was like okay and then she like looked back at me and she was like Natasha you've gone green oh my god <laughs> and I was like have I? <laughs> Maybe oh, God. I should go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so have you had like time off over the years and, you know, had to miss out on social events and things? Yeah. So uh, during those days, I refused to take any kind of drugs. Mm. Um, I refused to take even just basic paracetamol. Um, I just wanted to work through the pain like I thought the pain is a message for me and I need to understand mm. what pain means and only when I have done that will I be pain free and yeah yeah that kind of process I was trying to go through yeah and I think now that I do have I have a strong theory of why they're so painful for me and why they weren't painful before which is not which is psycho emotional not a hormonal condition um, okay I mean can we because obviously many of my listeners have endometriosis mm. um so it would be really good to I, I'm sure that there are a lot of people who will be listening who will be like screaming at their phones being like get checked for endo so yeah, yeah, we've, yeah. we've obviously had this conversation so I mean yeah so where I do you stand with that why I haven't had the test that you'd need to have Fendo. Mm. Um, so my pain, although it is severe, it only lasts for a few hours on the very first day. Um, and because it's not surrounded by any other symptoms, the doctors and myself and three other herbalists, we all think it's most likely that it's just pri what's called primary dysmenorrhea. Okay. Um, right. And then if I wanted to investigate that it was endometriosis, that would involve a laparoscopy. Oh, is that the right one? Yeah, laparoscopy. Yeah, laparoscopy. Um, but that is invasive and potentially would cause, this is a, a small um, scale risk, but mm. it could cause scar tissue that would make it harder for me to conceive later on in life. Yeah. Now, 
I can live a life now to the best of my ability, which treats endometriosis, which may or may not be there mm-hmm. without having to have that test. So for me, I think that I will have enough time when I decide that I do want to start to conceive to um, see if I have problems conceiving and then get those tests. Right, right, yeah. Um, and if I don't have problems conceiving, then we're all good. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, for, for me, in my lifetime, considering I'm relatively young when it comes to, like, conceiving, um, I think I've got time to experiment without treating endometriosis if that was the problem yeah yeah and everyone has to choose their own like path with it and be comfortable with like the treatment options that they're going through and I I did the same like I well my the hospital messed up so I had to wait like basically another year for my second op and I used that as my opportunity to start experimenting with the diet and that's I mean that's how this endo life was born really because I was like well, I have to do something about it and I've got this time. So yeah, it's, yeah you've got the time to do it. Um, and if you feel that it's manageable at this stage, then yeah. Yeah. So primary, sorry, go on, carry on. Primary dysmenorrhea, what were you going to say? Um, what, what's the difference between normal dysmenorrhea? I can never say that word. Dysmenorrhea. Pain, just say pain, period pain. That's what yeah. yeah. What, what would be the difference there? Um, so it's a sliding scale and it, and everybody will be different. But um, essentially, if there is if you're experiencing pain, which is interfering with your ability to do normal life, then it would be seen as um, probably primary dysmenorrhea. And with that, you wouldn't be getting other symptoms. So with endometriosis, you'd get like pain before the period had started or potentially like just in the middle of the the cycle Um, yeah I mean it's not necessarily some people don't get any pain at all or literally just get the first day of the period and then that's it yeah yeah so So yeah you'll find that there will be overlap between primary dysmenorrhea and endometriosis Mm. and it's literally just a case of what are the other surrounding symptoms how severe is the problem so yeah it's just like a blurry sliding scale and it's very difficult to say like if you're experiencing pain for four hours of the day then that's far too much and if you're experiencing pain for like three hours and 59 seconds then that's okay like (laughs) yeah so it's really difficult to draw a a line with these things with and with making um diagnosis Mm. um with endometriosis, the only surefire way is to get that laparoscopy and be able to view endometrial tissue in places where it's not supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, you know, um, but the idea with primary dysmenorrhea is that it's not very severe and taking a painkiller would deal with it. Okay, so you've decided to um, treat it like yourself and manage it yourself with different methods. Mm-hmm. Um so do you use herbal medicine for that? Well, what I have found is that I've gone through periods of my life where I have managed to make it so that there's like almost no pain at all. Um, but the, re- the routine of it is that I have to drink a cup of herbal tea every single day 
Right. Wow. And and I actually find that it's really boring and I get, <laughs> I get bored of it after like a couple of What's the of tea? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a prescription from a herbalist that I see in America. Okay. And, um, it changes from um, being a muscle relaxing kind of tea in the first two weeks of the cycle. Mm-hmm. No, no, wait, other way around. From being a detoxing tea in the first two weeks of the cycle to being a relax- muscle relaxing kind of tea in the last part of the cycle. Okay, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's brilliant. And I find that if I want to be completely pain free, uh, naturally, then I have to avoid like sugar. Refined sugar makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, and I need to try and not be very stressed um, mm. or overextend myself in any way. And I need to drink this tea every single day. And I just got bloody bored of it, basically. I was like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> do you know what? I, for the sake of like three hours of pain a month, I just can't be bothered to keep this up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've tried I've tried drinking certain teas and I get like almost I don't know like really put off by the taste even though there's nothing wrong with the taste but I've just drunk it so much do you know what I mean Yeah 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 after after time you're just like god this is so boring Yeah <laughs> Um but yeah that's you know after I've done something for 3 months on the trot like I you do have to give it a good innings mm. to figure out if it's working yeah, but I guess so. It did what it did work for you. It just required like, yeah. like a lot of like routine and discipline. Yeah. So, what are you what are you doing now then? Yeah. Well, so now, so something really interesting happened. Um, I went to the doctors when I was getting to the end of my tether with mm-hmm. the pain and. Not so much the pain, but like the panic about being in pain. Yeah. Um, and so I went to the doctors. I'd already seen three herbalists who'd all said, it sounds like primary dysmenorrhea. I <laughs> went to the doctors and they were like, sounds like primary dysmenorrhea. Right. And I was like, okay. And she was like, why don't you just take some methanamic acid? Mm. Methanamic. Yeah, I think that's how you say it. Um, yeah, I think that's how you say it. And tell you know come back in a month tell me if it worked or not and I was like oh okay um and I tried it which you know is a massive thing for me to just try Mm. a drug um I tried one and what was really good about it was that I the pain was there but it was like down a hallway and it didn't disrupt my day and in the past I found that when I take paracetamol sometimes it can make me feel really dopey really yeah but it's I so interesting how people react differently to, yeah. to painkillers and I don't know if that's just because of how the paracetamol was interacting on top of that level of pain that I was experiencing that, that day mm. or what yeah um but with the methanamic acid I only had to take one and it lasted 12 hours. Wow. Whereas with my paracetamols, if I was going to use that, I was having to take six a day. Yeah, yeah. And so actually, it was kind of brilliant. And when it started to wear off in the evening, um, that then is a manageable 
acceptable level of pain for me by then um and I can get on with normal life kind of Mm. but I I choose not to I choose to just take take it easy put my feet up hot water bottle just like chill yeah yeah um so that was a major breakthrough because I felt like finally I had a tool in place that I could use to treat the pain as and when it happens yeah and it was like this massive weight lifted and I was like oh my god I don't need to freak out for the week before my period and I don't need to plan all of my life events around my period anymore like yeah of course and I mean like you said that was a really big decision for you I mean can we go into that a little bit more because I think I think that's really important to discuss because there's a lot of women out there with endometriosis who are torn between like I I don't react very well on drugs um there's a lot that just don't seem to agree with me um and on top of that you know there's various like side effects um that are reported and and also I I like to just kind of like work out what's going on in my body and try to make it healthier and see where I can improve um so I found it difficult in the past to um come to peace with taking certain painkillers I mean I didn't have a problem once I was popping codeine all the time like six Mm. years ago yeah yeah (laughs) but it made me really sick um but you know it took me quite a while to be like right let's take some diclofenac and now I take like one or two and I'm so much better I can go to sleep because mm. for some reason I usually come on during the night so I'll have yeah. like a really horrendous night where I just I don't sleep and um but if I take a diclofenic of like I do fall asleep so mm. I think like what was that process for you of like deciding and why besides being a herbalist was there more to it that made you not want to go down the route like with drugs for me I try to avoid taking drugs because because I do have this underlying belief that this symptom is telling me something deeper, some sort of psycho-emotional um, message that I need to understand. Mm. And because I feel that I have understood what that message is for me, and what I think the message is, is that I actually desperately want to have a baby, but it's just not the right time for me in life. Right. Um, so I, I think, because when I've looked back on things, the pain kind of started as I started to realize that I wanted to be a mum. Okay, um, that's really interesting. And hasn't stopped ever since, really. And I think it gets worse when I think I'm getting closer to being able to have a baby, but then it's not quite the right time again. <laughs> so I, I think that's what my pattern is with it. And so because I have a strong theory on what's causing it, um, I... I'm not too concerned about taking um, a painkiller once a month for it now, especially as I also have spent a lot of time with that pain, understanding what makes it worse, what makes it better. I Mm. know that I know that stress is a bad thing. I know that sugar is a bad thing for me. And I feel like I have I feel like I'm an expert in what that symptom means to me now. And so to numb it and ignore it for 12 hours a month isn't the end of the world Um, Mm. because even though I've taken that painkiller it doesn't stop me from doing like relaxing baths and making sure that I've taken time out for myself and like I still do all of the self-care stuff whether I felt that pain or not yeah 
That makes complete sense. And that's really interesting about the, um, what did you say, psycho? I'm calling it psycho-emotional. It's not really a okay. word. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so for... Obviously, everyone's different. So some people will really get that and some people will be like, what? Um, so where does that like theory come from? Is that from um, your beliefs, the books that you've read? Is there some, you know, is that to do with the fact that like, you know, there's evidence that like stress will then eventually result in a disease in your body. It will go to your organs. You know, where's that yeah. come from for you? Well, for for millennia in holistic therapies we have believed that the mind and body are one and that um what happens in the body affects the mind and what happens in the mind affects the body Mm. so you can treat something entirely emotionally or you could treat it entirely physically and one thing would talk to the other does that make sense yeah yeah totally so um now we're starting to see that there is proof that that is the case with things like the placebo effect. Mm. Um, Research into how the placebo effect works is proving how much of an effect our mind can have on our body. That's so interesting. It's like, there's just so much to learn, I think, about the womb still and like just our bodies as females. And there's been so much that's like been ignored for so long. Yeah, yeah, because it's all been research done by men for the Mm. sake of men really. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and tested on men as well yeah <laughs> yeah uh, so I mean that actually brings us nicely on to like your launch with the period like making it focused around periods so what besides your own experience what made you decide to launch forage, forage botanicals focused on periods um can I just add one more thing about my painkillers yeah of course because I kind of like missed the big thing so like I took it once and it was great for 12 hours the next month I didn't have to take one at all because I wasn't freaking out about being in pain Mm. and then my period just happened and it all just like went really smoothly that's amazing that's so interesting yeah that's so (laughs) it's and I wonder if that's to do with the placebo effect as well yeah like you know how much of my pain is what's called secondary pain secondary pain is um the pain that you experience because you were worrying about the primary pain. Yeah, yeah. And that's what they try to focus on in like mindfulness, yeah. and mindfulness for pain, trying to change your relationship with pain. Um, that's so interesting. Yes. Yeah, so and how's it now? Because that was a couple of months ago, right? That was a few months ago. So I've had, I had a methanamic acid three months ago. Then I didn't have to have one at all. Mm-hmm. Um, then the month after that, I had a painful period, but I was at home, so I didn't take one. Okay. And then the month after that, I was on a first aid course, which would have been, I would have failed it if I couldn't attend any of the days. So I took right. one then. And how did you feel with that? Really good. Like I, it was so nice to feel normal okay. and like yeah. I didn't have to cancel this massive thing. And it would have been like such a stress to try and rearrange it to the next month. And mm. like, it was really nice. And then I, I just went home and put my feet up, had a hot water bowl ate some good food yeah that's brilliant I'm really happy for you you're actually really inspiring me now I mean (laughs) you need to yeah rethink my approach I think it's become so much easier for me now that I'm going easier on myself about it Mm, yeah I think it's so 
there's just so much information out there and it can be really easy to get kind of like scared of your different choices and mm. feel like you have to go down um I don't know not a moral high road but you know what I mean like yeah yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah the well, holy I just think that thing. I've weighed up the pros and cons of the different things and the pros outweigh the cons yeah and if you can get to a point where what you're what you're doing is you're combining best the best of both and we have to go through a journey to get to that point you know before I started realizing that my coffee addiction was putting me in crippling pain mm -hmm. um I was like literally and I had no respect for what I put in my body I was literally taking codeine until the pain stopped and that would sometimes be like five tablets in a row yeah, yeah, yeah. so like and then I felt awful for days afterwards I had a headache I'd like vomit um so you know I might have gone polar the, the polar opposite with that later on down the line but at least it gets you to a point where you're like okay now I can take paracetamol and that will be enough because I've learned how to manage my pain in other ways yeah yeah exactly I don't I, have to take six codeine exactly but I would have never got to that point if I hadn't approached it with diet and magnesium and things like that yeah and that that is exactly what this new course is about it's about like learning the lifestyle techniques and dietary stuff like the what mm. i would call the fundamentals um so that you can then go off and take the drugs that you want to take um to just like manage the remaining symptoms or you can go and see a herbalist and work with them to to manage the remaining symptoms but there is so much that you can do in terms of lifestyle and diet and like non-hormonal herbs, like um, what I would call nourishing food-like herbs, um, to manage these things and, and minimise their effects on your life. So your, so your course is called The Joyful Period? Yeah. And what, and it focuses primarily on PMS? So I changed, when you did it, the focus mm. was really on PMS. And yeah. I got lots of feedback from women who um, were saying, oh, it's cool that you're doing a course on PMS, but I have endometriosis, so that's not for me. Or I have period pain, so that's not for me. Um, mm. And so I was finding that unless women were identifying their problem as primarily PMS, that right. it was turning them off. Okay. Um, and so this time it's been restructured so that the fundamental information about diet and lifestyle and how you can use herbs is still there mm -hmm. um, and self-care is still there. Um, but there is now a week of material which just focuses on home remedies, diet and lifestyle stuff for individual symptoms. That's that's amazing. So it starts. Can you walk us through? I know you can't tell us everything that's in the course but can you walk <laughs> us through like just give us the course now um can you like walk us through the course and like what you know what we can expect and actually it'd be really interesting as well we can visit this afterwards just to talk a bit about pms and what it actually is because i know that you do address that um and yeah. i think people can get confused around what it actually is yeah i'd be happy to um so let me just uh, bring this up on my computer so it's nice and neat and I don't fumble over my words. Mm -hmm. So the first week we look at what's normal for a menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and during that week, 
you, there are both there's bonus material for people with fibroids, endometriosis, and PCOS. Um, Great. So that they can look at what they can be doing for their conditions. Yeah. Um, and aiming to move towards that normal if they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the second week, we look at how to chart your cycle. Um, so we look at how to take your temperature and cervical mucus and things so that you can figure out where you are in your cycle all the time. Right. And again, I've included bonus material for people with those hormone problems so that you can have an idea of what your chart is going to look like yeah. um, with the condition and mm-hmm. what sort of things you'd be hoping to see if it's improving. Yeah. Um, and then in the third week, I look at period problems. So period pain, bloating, fatigue, muscle aches, that sort of thing. Yeah, that um, was the week I loved. <laughs> yeah. So you had that in all of the bonus like material handouts. Now it's, yeah. a, it's a video lecture instead. Oh, great. Yeah. So it's, there's more time spent on it. Um, and there's loads of natural answers given for those common symptoms. Mm-hmm. And then in the last week, you learn about the concept of going with the flow and how different parts of the hormone cycle give you strengths and weaknesses in different areas. Like you might have a really logical month, um, logical week. You might have a really uh, creative week and how you can structure your lifestyle around that to try and maximize as much as possible. Or just mm. bear it in mind that you're not going to be very good at doing this particular thing because it's really not that time of the month for you right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it ends with um, learning a self-care routine for which you receive a box of natural um, cosmetics and products um, to help you create that self-care routine for yourself. So I really found it interesting, and I've said this in my review, um, the idea that we like our abilities and our focus kind of changes throughout the month Mm. and I think that's really really important to talk about because that's that's probably one of my biggest struggles that I do change so dramatically through the month and Mm. um especially in my my previous job um I was just surrounded by men who were just always on form and it made me quite bitter like sadly because I was just like don't you ever just get a day where like you can't put your emotions aside or your brain just doesn't seem to work like like we have spent so long comparing ourselves to men and I know that you talk about this in like your the reason why you changed to focus on periods and you talk about it in the course and I just I just like to get your perspective on that really because I think we give ourselves a really hard time well, like, do you think that he was doing actually any good work? Do you think he's just sitting there, like, dreaming out the window? <laughs> no, I think he was doing really good work. He's, he's honestly, honestly, like, he, he's never, he's not capable of doing a bad piece of work. Like, I was, con- the whole time I was there, I was, like, continuously fascinated by his ability to just be on point. I was just like, yeah. who are you? <laughs> God, probably yeah. not breaking a lot of other things. Just you don't get to see them. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm gonna say to comfort myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the story we'll tell ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we change. We change through the month. Yeah. And um, and then is it? I this for me, ovulation is like my really good time. Like I feel optimistic about 
everything when I'm ovulating. Um, And I literally feel like I can take on the world. And I get really clear on my business goals and my health goals and like everything. So is that, would that be the same for everyone or do we vary? You, you would be expecting a similar feeling for all women when they're ovulating because of the mm-hmm. hormones that we're all experiencing. Um, and then as you kind of drift towards the premenstrual phase, um, that optimism drops and you'll be more likely to have low moods. Um, but it's also a really good time to not be logical and mm. um, allow thoughts to kind of like drift in and out of the mind like they're quite they're kind of slippery thoughts like you might have a second of like a brilliant idea and then lose it and um and so during that time it's really good to be writing notes when something comes into your head right there and then because by the time you've like got off the train you have forgotten it um and some of the best like decisions that I've ever made were ones where I sat on it for a month because Mm. then I got to see it from all these different angles where like during ovulation um I would have been like tomorrow I'm gonna do like put this into action straight away um and like rushed into it (laughs) I think it's brilliant sorry (laughs) just really (laughs) you really reminds me of myself I've literally started like things in a weekend and then being like, oh, I've got to roll with it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, me too. I I rush really headlong into things. Um, And then during the premenstrual phase, you kind of get more dreamy and you start to see the problems in your idea. And you're like, oh, no, I can't do like that because Mm. this isn't going to work. And I can't do this because that's going to be awful. And what if that happens? And, you know, you start to doubt yourself. Yeah, Um, yeah. But then when you're menstruating, you're like, but what if I do it like this and then I'll be able to um, do this over the, the next like three weeks and then maybe this will take a bit more time and, and I can put it all together. And then so by the end of the month, you've like had time to have the kind of like inspirational idea um, see all the problems in it and then make a really solid plan and then put the plan into action. Yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree. I really like that. I've actually never, even though I've done the course, I, I think I need to revisit it, but I haven't mm. thought about it in that way, like sitting yeah. on a decision for a month. And actually what I tend to do is think, well, I know that I'm at the, my best right now, so mm. I should probably go with this choice because this is my true self. I like to think that that's my true self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that is really common. What I've come to realize is that how we are during ovulation is what the world expects of us all the time Mm, yeah yeah Um, I think it's just not true and why I mean we've touched on it a little bit why do you think we're expected to perform at that level like looking back over history and stuff like where do you think that's come from well at a very um instinctive um animalistic level that would mean that we are fertile and ready to become pregnant all the time it means that right. we are sexually available 24 7 for the men folk <laughs> okay and that's what they want right <laughs> so <laughs> 
So, you know, from a man's perspective, it makes sense that you would want a woman who's fertile and juicy all the time. Mm, yeah. um, but it doesn't quite work like that. Um, and then from the kind of psycho-emotional perspective, you're at your most logical, you've got the highest amount of energy, you're least likely to get sick, you're most charismatic, most sociable. It's mm. it's everything that we've come to understand is necessary in the working world. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I guess the, you, you touch upon this, obviously I'll let you run with it, but you talk about in your, um, on your website that with the pill, it's kind of stopping that pattern and we're becoming more like men. Yes. Or trying trying to be. Yeah. So with the pill you're getting the same blip of same level of hormones every single day apart from the days where you're not taking the pill. Um and so this is more like what a man would experience, but still not the same. Mm. I mean, why where do you think the pill puts us in like that I guess we're not in that mode of we're not in that mood when we're ovulating and we're really high functioning but we're not like at the lower end when yeah. we're premenstrual either I think it's somewhere in the middle like I, mm. I used to think that it was the like being in the ovulatory phase all the time but actually I don't think it's as good as that no from I my memory below that but not yeah. as bad as being in a PMS kind of state all the time yeah yeah and I mean obviously if the pill works for people the pill obviously works for people I can't take it for a few different reasons um but it's just really interesting how so many of us are taking the pill so we've become so disconnected from our natural rhythms um and just our natural way of being as as people like mm. you know like yeah we are kind of fighting our like DNA there I think at a fundamental level, taking hormones for any sort of reason will fund will end up changing your personality and your mind. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I one of the reasons why I can't I can't take quite a lot of them due to like a higher risk of stroke. Yeah. For some yeah. Reason, but um, another one is because there's only one left that I can take, and it actually made me like I, I suffer with depression anyway on and off but so severely depressed that it was just like it was just impossible and I've tried it twice and it's just not and it's lasted once I've come off it it's still lasted it's taken like a while to get back to like a normal level of being mm, that's unfortunate because the effects of the pill actually don't even last 24 hours that's otherwise you wouldn't have to take one every single day yeah, I can't remember which one this was, but um, I guess maybe it was the just the psychological effects of feeling like that low yeah, all the time, had like really, carried on. Yeah, yeah, like knock on effect. It was like sort of like a catalyst, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, okay, so, but I should point out that I don't think I think it's quite rare that people take hormonal contraceptives and feel like a totally different person. I have had people say that that is how they felt, um, mm. but I think most of the time it's so subtle that people don't even notice it yeah yeah of course and and like you know like we say everyone has to make their own choices about their treatment and their like contraceptives and um it's just really interesting to discuss because I think before I did your course I you know I've been 
on and off different pills until until the past two years, I guess, three years, um, when I couldn't take them anymore. But I had no idea what was happening to my body. I just literally continuously went through this phase. And I didn't really track my period either. Mm, so yeah. I didn't actually know when to expect it. Yeah, because why would you? You're all taking Yeah, I'm, I mean, I was in like so much pain, but so I should have tracked it for that reason. But um, I just I just didn't. Mm. Um, so I never saw the pattern as to why sometimes I felt really good. And once sometimes I felt like the world was ending. So yeah. once I did your course, I was like, oh, my God, like even just having that knowledge, even not acting on it, just having that knowledge made me think like, I don't actually because I at times I was like do I have bipolar like you know you know and but now it syncs up so much to my cycle that I know exactly what it is and I know what thoughts to entertain and I know what thoughts to let go and I know that actually today everything feels a little bit more raw and painful because of this yeah and most of the time just knowing that that's why is enough to relieve a lot of the feelings yeah yeah completely because you just don't give that much attachment to them I guess again it's a bit like mindfulness you're able to let them go yeah yeah you can put them in context and be like hmm maybe if I think about this problem in a few days from now I'll be seeing it very differently yeah exactly so you have the you have the course and then what else do you offer alongside that you do one-to-one sessions around periods yeah yeah so people come and see me for um treatments um usually to do with hormone problems and because they're hormone problems I can treat people by Skype they don't have to come and see me in person necessarily that's amazing that's really useful actually yeah but I do um make that decision on a case-by-case basis before anybody books in to see me uh, right just to check that it is going to be safe for them and suitable for them yeah um and people that do the course get 10% off treat a treatment plan um but they're normally um, one price and it's all inclusive of the herbs as well as the Mm. time that we spend together. That's really helpful because I think that the course might bring up or just help identify some things that they're still struggling with so that they can then revisit that with you. And with the course, can people sign up at any time or how, how does that work? For now, I'm running it so that it's open for like a week every three months. Okay. Um, so it's open right right now. We're recording this on the 25th of August and it's going to be open till the 1st of September. Okay. And then it won't be open again for another three months at least. And I can't remember this because I think mine was slightly different. But yeah. do people have live like Facebook access to you? Am I right? What during so the course? I've changed how it's run. And now you can leave comments underneath the course material itself. For oh, that's to cool. To come and help with. Yeah. Oh, okay. So then, yeah. So then it's running. Essentially, it's kind of running live and they've yeah. got that access to you. Yeah, that's it. Like at the moment, I'm doing it this way so that people... I'm doing it at the same time as everybody else and I can, Mm. you know, check back on how everyone's going through it as they do um, rather than have like one person at the beginning, one person at the end, one, you know, I'm trying to orchestrate it all. And it also means that I'm making all of the boxes up in one week um, every quarter and then they all get sent out at the same time rather than me making a box here, there, everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Um, and for people who aren't quite sure if 
you know the course or like one-to-one sessions are for them you have quite a lot of great like free resources on your website yeah um, from like your podcast and guides yeah there's um you know, I did a podcast I'm still running till the end of this year on a herb every month so that's a way to kind of get an idea of what my personality is um mm. and then there are guides for hormone conditions including one on fertility um yeah and that's a growing resource really yeah that's great and they're so beautifully made thank you yeah they're they're really lovely um and am I right I just wanted to check in with this are you visiting schools as well because I know that you feel really passionately about you know sex education yeah um... I really want to I I want to propose to some girl schools especially um that I come and do like additional sex education for them on how to deal with really common period problems. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, I mean, why do you feel that that's such a issue at the moment? Um, there's just we only get taught about the actual bleed during schooling, and yeah. we only get taught about like how to use a tampon and like. Mm. I don't remember being taught anything about how to deal with period pain or like what you can no. do if you suddenly find that you're so fatigued a couple of days before your period that you can't get up and do anything like yeah yeah of know. course okay so if there's any school teachers listening yeah. can get in touch with you right <laughs> yeah yeah especially if you're like near the London area then I'd be really interested to okay do cool. some work. yeah I will put a link in the show notes um so they can contact you um okay can just to close is there like three nice self-care tips that you could give to women um who are dealing with painful periods or you know like just some pms symptoms before their periods that's just quite good for anyone to try yeah um i would recommend trying especially in the week before your period is due um, I would recommend having a night into yourself, go the whole hog, like make it really romantic, but for yourself, <laughs> like watch a really nice movie that you really want to watch. Um, put the candles on, make yourself a salt bath, like an Epsom salt bath. Um, some essential oils that are nice to use would be like clary sage and uh, marjoram and chamomile. And you can put just a few drops of those in the bath. Is that because they're soothing, like relaxing? Yeah, they're all relaxing. And the clary sage is supposed to balance the hormones. Okay. Um, so those will all be easing tension. And just trying to create like a spa type experience for yourself mm. in your home is really crucial to having a nice period. Okay, that's lovely. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking to you. I feel like I learn so much more every time we chat. I just yeah, I kind of want to do I want to do the course again I think I always have to revisit yeah, I was courses say you should, um, I, can, I should give you access to the new one yeah it might be nice to like try it out and kind of test like yeah like how it is now now and then yeah because I want do another... you to see the new endometriosis content yeah that would be really helpful actually I would love to look at that yeah cool thank you so much for being on I've loved talking to you and good luck with the course Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please rate, review and or subscribe. It helps others find the podcast. 
if you want to say hi to me, I'm on Instagram at this endo life. Um, sorry, at this underscore endo life. I'm on Twitter at this underscore endo life, and that's with a capital T, E, and L. And I'm on Facebook at this endo life.com. You can also head over to my site, this endo life.com, uh, to have a read of my thoughts and ramblings. And I'm also, um, a columnist at Endometriosis News. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the podcast and supporting the podcast. And to all you guys who have reached out and shared your stories with me um, and have let me know how much the podcast has helped you. It really, really makes my day when I get those messages. Um, it's exactly what I want to hear. It's exactly what I want to do. And just hearing from you guys reassures me that I'm on the right track. So thank you for that. Um, as I mentioned, listeners get a special promo code for Natasha's course, which is really exciting for me because that's the first time that's happened on my show, which is Endolife, all one word, all capitals. Um, and you just enter that at the checkout. The voucher will give you £100 off the Joyful Period course. And the link is in the um, show notes below. Also, just to let you know, this interview wasn't sponsored. Um, I asked Natasha on the show myself, as I mentioned with friends, um, just in case anyone was wondering if I was paid to promote um, the course or do the review or just to do the podcast. None of that um, was paid. So it's all genuine. And um, yeah, I really like the course and I really like Natasha. Um, I think it's completely fine to earn money from sponsored content, but I'll always let you know Um when it is. Uh, and finally, I'll be offering a week of free coaching and mentoring sessions very soon. So if you're interested, um, my mentoring is about supporting women to learn how to manage and live with their endometriosis better and more holistically. And the coaching is if you've got some more hard, firm goals in place, um, but you're not quite sure how to manage them and how to reach them with endometriosis. So if you're interested, you can have a read about what I do in the mentoring and coaching sessions um, under the support section of my site and you can drop me an email or sign up to the newsletter um, and I will be in touch soon to let you know when that's happening. Thank you so much for listening. I'm loving having you with me and I will see you in two weeks time. Music.